so there's that. So let me say how much I appreciate from the bottom of my heart the privilege of being here at Haven Baptist Church this morning. Also, let me say how much I genuinely appreciate the music. Uh, I am officially at home right now, and that was, uh, that was perfect. That was perfect. So, as we, uh, as we go to the Lord this morning through His Word, I want, to, uh, I want to free you from any restriction that you might sense uh, about expressing worship. If you, if you want to say amen, then by all means, let her rip. Amen. Thank you. All right. And I know if grandma was here, she would want to say, whoo. All right. So I'm good with that. In fact, I think we ought to be happy that we're here this morning. Uh, I, think we ought to be, I think we ought to be so happy that we ought to be willing to verbally and emotionally uh, and from our heart express that to God Almighty. Amen? Well, I'm, we're going to be looking at a passage from Hebrews chapter 12 this morning. And, and let me tell you a little bit about the book of Hebrews. It is one of the most incredible books of the New Testament. Okay, now I know I'll get some arguments from some of you scholars, but I think that Paul uh, wrote uh, Hebrews. However, nobody signed it, so, so we're all guessing. But for today, since I'm preaching, Paul wrote it, okay? <laughs> and, uh, uh, and it is one of the, is one of the greatest treatises uh, comparing the New Testament to the Old Testament uh, that you're going to find anywhere. It begins with Jesus is better than the Old Testament. Jesus is better than the angels. Jesus is better than Moses. Jesus is greater than the law. Jesus is greater in his New Testament than the Old Testament. That's all there. Jesus is greater uh, than Aaron, and Jesus is even greater than Melchizedek. Amen. Thank you. So I want to tell you this morning, when we look at this, and when we look at this text, whoever wrote Hebrews wrote it for the express purpose of exalting Jesus Christ and comforting and encouraging the saints of God. So I do not want to do a disservice to the author. So that's my goal here today. I want to exalt Jesus Christ above everything because He's worthy of glory. He's our Savior. He's our God. He's our hope. Uh, And I also want to bring comfort to you. I know you've got some hard news in recent days and I'm sad about that. But you know what? Do you believe that God is in control? Amen. Well, if God wasn't in control, that'd be a tough, that'd be a tough pill to swallow. But, but God's got this. Uh, God understands. God is perfect in His understanding. Did you know that God has never misunderstood anything? I take a lot of comfort in that. I take great comfort in that. Uh, because sometimes when I even talk to my dearest friends, I'm sorry, you guys, I apologize, I leak a little. 
But when I talk to my dearest friends, sometimes they don't really understand. Even the people that know me best. But you know what? Jesus has never misunderstood me. He has always understood me even when I didn't understand me. So I want to challenge you this morning. Trust Him. Believe Him. Follow Him. Hope in Him. Be faithful. Be patient. Now, what I would like to do is I like to get a running start at Hebrews chapter 12. So we're going to start in verse 30 of Hebrews chapter 11. And this is all part of these first few verses of Hebrews chapter 12. Verse 30 of chapter 11 says, By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. By faith the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. And what more shall I say, for the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and of Jephthah, also of David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trial of mocking and scourgings, Yes, and of chains and imprisonment. And they were stoned and they were sawn in two, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. And all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. God having provided something better for us, that they should not be perfect apart from us. Let that soak in for just a moment. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight, and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostilities from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your soul. We'll stop there. So, as we begin looking at this passage in verse 1 of Hebrews chapter 12, there's, there is that word again. Therefore. And you know what we do with that, right? We see what it's there for. And that, the therefore in verse 1 ties us, links that passage to chapter 11. Okay, It links it, just marries it, welds it there so that, so that we can understand that whoever wrote this book 
And I may not say that the rest of the day. I may say Paul, okay? So forgive me if that's... Anyway. But whoever wrote this book said, in light of the fact, in light of the fact that these Old Testament saints persevered through their struggles, through their sufferings, through their martyrdom, through all of the trials of their lives. Some of them were killed. Some of them were elevated to kings. Some of them uh, went through the water. Some of them went through the fire. Some of them went through the lion's den. All of them, though, persevered through faith. And so when, when, when we read the therefore, verse 40 in particular... He said, God having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. Now, so if you're looking for three points, I'm not going to give those to you. But I will give you a bunch of word points today. And the second word point is, we also. We also. Therefore, in light of the truth of chapter 11, we also, directly linking us to the inheritance of the Old Testament saints. And I will tell you, that's a great thing. That's a great thing. Except we have an advantage. We have an advantage because through Moses came the law. But through Jesus Christ came grace and truth. We have a distinct advantage over those who lived under the old covenant in so many ways. And I really can't go down that rabbit trail. But just know we live in a day where we ought to glorify God. We ought to pursue God. We ought to hope in God. We ought to be faithful to God uh, in every area of our life because he's worthy. And then he says, we also, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Okay. So what does that mean? So what does that mean? Well, there's two groups of people in here. There's a group of people that believe that that cloud of witnesses are those departed saints who are watching down from heaven, cheering us on, okay? And those who don't. Now, actually there's three. I would be the third because I kind of do. And I kind of don't. It's so encouraging to me to think about my family members and friends who have been faithful to the Lord and gone on to, gone on to be with Jesus. It, it, it's encouraging to me to imagine them cheering. All right? Is that, would that be encouraging to you? If you knew Mamma was up there and looking down and she was saying, You go. You go. I think I, I love the thought of that. But being trying to be a theologian, I understand that it's probably talking about those of Hebrews chapter 11. And he's, talk, and he's saying, therefore, because of that truth, we also, in light of that truth, and because of this great cloud of witnesses, what cloud? Well, the cloud that's mentioned there in Hebrews chapter 11, and some of me didn't even have time to mention so are they, are they witnesses to us? I don't think so. I think the witness, this great cloud of witnesses are witnesses 
of the grace and mercy and of God and his faithfulness to them. They persevered in the Old Testament without receiving the promise, that is, of the New Testament. They, they didn't receive that promise, but they believed it. They persevered for it. And now we have it, which we ought to persevere like nobody's business every day, day in and day out uh, with joy. Um, my wife and I traveled to Peru a few years ago. It was a great trip. We, uh, we went down there to teach biblical counseling to the pastors and the pastor's wives. It was, a, it was just a unforgettable, monumental. Anything else you want to add to it? But one day we went to a huge Catholic church in downtown Lima. And we got to go down into the basement. And they had set it up as a museum. And in that basement were the remnants of the torture weapons from the Inquisition there in Lima, Peru. The bones, the bones of the saints were there. You say, well, that's kind of gross. It might be, but I want to tell you this, it's inspiring too. Because when we left, we thought about how faithful those men and women were who died because of their faith in Christ. That's what, that's what the writer of Hebrews is trying to do for us right now. He's trying to say, look guys, here's the example. They were great. They did it. They were, they were faithful. They persevered. So you guys, the same God, the same God that you serve is the God that Abraham served. Is the God that Isaac served? Is the God that Moses served? Is the God that Jephthah served? Is the God that Barak served? It's the same God and He is just as faithful to you as He was to them. So let, it, let their life and their testimony be an encouragement to you to move forward. You know, they had some difficult times. I mean, we read about them there in the last part. I won't go back over that. They had some difficult times to the point that they gave, their, gave up their life. And so I think in conjunction with that, uh, verse 4 of Hebrews chapter 12 says, Yet you've not resisted to blood shed, striving against sin. What does that mean? Well, I think it means that the writer is comparing our life that's better than their life, and they persevered, so we should certainly persevere. We should certainly move forward in our life. So he says, Therefore we also, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, and then he gives us some instructions, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. First of all, it, difference between weights and sins. Okay, he says, set aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us. King James says, so easily besets us. That's where we get the term besetting sins. Maybe, maybe you don't not familiar with that. Whoa. So, so what is a weight? Remember, there's a picture here. There's a picture here of us of us running a race, right? There was a day, there was a day that I ran a mile in, in the fives. 
in the five minutes. Okay? And I have to say it that way because it was like five minutes and 56 seconds or something like that. Okay? Yeah. But I weighed close to 90 pounds less than I do today. I know you couldn't tell that. But you know what? Today, with a little extra baggage, I could probably run a five-minute, hundred-yard dash. <laughs> Anytime we're running a race, and this race, this race that he's talking about is an endurance race. Okay, it's not a sprint. Brothers and sisters, our life in Christ is not a sprint. It's a, it's a marathon. And in a marathon, you have to be faithful. In a marathon, you have to endure. Okay? And he, and he says, lay aside every weight. If I weighed 170 pounds, I could run a lot better and a lot further. Okay? So I would have to what? You can say it. I don't care. Lose weight. Okay? I would have to lose weight. But not only that, do you, how many have ever trained for something where you've had to wear hand weights or leg weights? Okay, so two of us, three of us know what that means. Uh, I used to train. I used to train in a, to compete in martial arts. Don't hold that against me, okay? But uh, I would wear I would wear leg weights and use hand weights because when I took those weights off, I was faster. I was genuinely faster because my feet felt like air but in, but I would never wear those weights to compete in that would just be foolishness that would slow me down so much I would take those weights off in a second and that's what we're that's what we're looking at here anything point to be made anything that will hinder your progress in this race, of following Christ to the end, put it off. Doesn't necessarily have to be sinful. Doesn't have to be a sin, but something that weighs you down. Okay? So help me out. Help me think. What are some things that could weigh you down and hinder you running a ra- running this race of faith? Help me. I'm a- I'm asking. I'm asking a question. What what would be one of those things? Television. I knew that would be in there somewhere. You agree with that? Sometimes we just need to set aside the television. And even our jobs. Our jobs at times. Our jobs at times. Our attitudes at times can weigh us down. So, yes, man. Our phone. Oh, thank you for that. I thought you were saying, it's time to shut up. <laughs> no. uh, oh, yeah, our phone. Oh my goodness, don't even get me started. How many times do you go to a restaurant and you see four people sitting at the table and they've all got their phones, you, you think that they're texting one another. It's strange. But yeah, our phones, computers, internet, Amazon, anything. It doesn't have, see what I'm saying? It doesn't have to be sinful, but it can slow us down. And we ought to be so focused on finishing the race well. Finishing the race with joy. Finishing the race in a way that pleases our Savior. That we ought to be willing to set aside things that are even good things. In order to pursue faster 
and stronger and with more endurance. But then he says something else. He says, Put, set aside every weight and the sin that trips us up, the sin that ensnares us. So there's a distinction. There's a weight, then there's a sin. So the point of that is, if we are living a life, if, if we're disobedient to the Word of God, that's sin, right? So are, are there things in our life that we need to set aside that are sinful? Now, I'm not going to ask you to confess your sin publicly. I know some of your hands just started sweating. I'm not going to do that. But you know what it is. Because it just crossed your mind a minute ago. Whatever it is that you're struggling with right now. And honestly, we all struggle. We all struggle. Uh, being, a, being a pastor of biblical counseling in Decatur and in Madison... I want to tell you, your eyes are open to the struggles of humanity. Christian people can do some unchristian things. And yet, Paul says here, set it aside. We have, uh, we, we have freedom. We have freedom to do that. We have freedom to set aside our sin because John uh, said in 1 John 1 that if we say we have no sin... We deceive ourselves, first of all, and the truth isn't in us. But if we confess our sin, He's faithful and He's just to forgive us our sins and what? To cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It means as we pursue God, we need to look to God for the strength to pursue God. We need to look to Him for the hope to pursue Him in hope. So it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. You know, Paul uses that point of a race very often. Acts 20, uh, verse 24 says, But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish the race with joy and the ministry which I have received from the Lord Jesus. In 1 Corinthians, he says, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. To Timothy, he said in 2 Timothy 4, at the end of his days, he says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. So I want to tell you, at the end of my days, I'm 63 years old. Okay? I don't know. I don't know when. I don't know if I'll see sixty-four. Uh, I don't know that I won't see eighty-four. So I need to. I need. But my race started when Jesus said, "Son, I'm going to save you." My my race will end when He says, "Son, it's time to come home." All the time in between there, I am called to run with endurance, to run with patience. And to run with joy. And I hope at the end of my life, I can look back on my life and say, I finished the race. I kept the faith. Because you know, how we finish is a lot more important than how we start. I mean, we can start with big guns and like, Yoo-hoo! and I'm running, I'm sprinting, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to beat everybody to the finish line. And then in a little while we give out because we didn't set aside the weight 
We didn't set aside the sin. We didn't train. We didn't look at the goal. But I think that it would be such a wonderful, uh, just a wonderful experience to say at the end of our life, I kept the faith. So as we look on in this passage, the last thing in this verse, run with endurance the race that is set before us. So what does that mean? That means God has established a race for you to run. He has set that race before you. I got good news. He did not call you to run my race. And good news for me, He didn't call me to run your race. But He has called you to pursue Him. He has called you to run the race in a way that brings glory to Him and good to you. And He has set that race before you. You guys are familiar with Ephesians 2 where... Paul writes to the church at Ephesus and he says that by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourself. It's a gift of God. It's not of works lest anyone should boast. But we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works that God has before prepared that we should walk in. That's what this is saying. God set a race before us it's our obligation, it should be our joy to pursue that, to finish that race, to look to the end. He says, verse, verse 2, and I know I need to hurry, I'm sorry. He says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. So looking unto Jesus has two possibilities here. It is look to Jesus for our example. Peter told us that Jesus suffered as an example of how we are to suffer. You know, a lot of people, a lot of people, a lot of people who are in Christian churches frown on the concept of Christian suffering. We're so, because we have been bombarded with the nonsense that we're supposed to be happy, healthy, wealthy. Tell that to the folks in Hebrews chapter eleven. I don't think they would buy it. But whatever comes into our life, we're to run that race with endurance. Have you guys struggled in the last year? Anybody struggled in the last year? Short list. Anybody not struggled in the last year? Okay. You have one that's not struggled. Okay, that's good. I'm, you're blessed, brother. But we have a life. We have a life. We have a life set before us, and Jesus warned us about struggling, didn't he? He warned us that the world won't love us. Now, you guys don't tell anybody this, okay? I love it when people love me. I do. I, I like people liking me. I like getting along with people. But not everybody does. Not, not everybody likes me. Not everybody gets along with me, okay? But the truth of the matter is I'm not running, I'm not running my race for them. I'm running my race for the glory of God to the best of my knowledge. To the best of my hope, I'm running my race to the glory of God. I want to challenge you to do that too. Like I said, you guys got some hard news. But you know what? God has hope for you. He has joy for you. He has encouragement for you. But you are to run the race that is set before you.
Okay? As we, can, as we look on, Jesus, looking unto Jesus, it either means that Jesus is our example, or it means that He's our goal. Okay? So which one is it? Probably both. Probably both. Depends on what day you get up and how you read it. It can be either or, I believe. But he says something else that's really interesting. He's looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. What does that mean? That means that he started us in this race and he's going to see it through. So our perseverance, our perseverance and our hope is in, <coughs> excuse our hope of continuing is in Jesus Christ. He said, well, well, I know people, well, I know people too that have begun the race and now they're no longer serving Christ. Now they're serving the devil in the world. You know anybody like that? He said, well, they were a Christian and they lost their salvation. No, they were, they made a profession. And how we finish, how we finish our race tells everyone about the genuineness of our faith. Now, here's what I'm not talking about. I'm not talking about a pastor who was faithful for years and years and years and uh, and has the unfortunate uh providence of getting uh, Alzheimer's. That's not what I'm talking about. You can't help that. All right? And I've seen that. I've seen pastors who were faithful who've lost their senses. They're not responsible for that. But they finished their course. They're just waiting to go home. Now, but what I am talking about is those who are in a right mind, who started the race, And then said, I quit. Because you see, Jesus said, He that endures to the end, the same will be saved. That doesn't mean that if you persevere, you'll be saved. That means that if you're saved, you're going to persevere. Because He that has begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. If you started the race that Jesus started in you, Jesus is going to see to it that you finish the race. And you say, so I'm going to make it across the finish line uh, just right. Well, you're going to make it across the finish line, but you can go willingly or unwillingly. Okay? But Jesus is going to make sure you finish the race, and, and it will either be in the joy of the Lord or in the real struggles of life because the school of God can be tough when we're not good students. Okay? He's going to get us there. But whether it's a joyful ride or a not so joyful ride, part of that, uh, part of that is on us. But he says, <clears throat> and here's where I think that Jesus is our example. He says, who for the joy that was set before him. Notice he didn't say for the joy of the cross. But he said for the joy that was set before him. That was beyond the cross. That was his resurrection. That was his being reunited with the Father and the glory that he had with him before the foundation of the world. That was him accomplishing our redemption on the cross when he died. Even in Gethsemane, Jesus said, Father, if it's if there's any way possible to let this cup pass from me, then please, but nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. He was not all pumped up about being nailed to a cross. But he was genuinely full of joy to fulfill the will of his heavenly father. What an attitude. 
That, and, and Paul said to the Philippians in Philippians chapter 2, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. <coughs> so, he's, so for the joy that was set before him, just one thing, Jesus looked to eternity past the cross and it gave him the strength and the courage to endure. That's what we need to do. Sometimes we get our eyes fixed on this life and on this world and we don't want to persevere. We're thinking, man, this is all there is. It's not. It's not. Because the greater that we persevere, it almost seems, does it seem to you as you read the New Testament, and I hope you read the New Testament often, but as we read the New Testament, we read, these light afflictions are but for a moment. Okay? And, and these trials are working for us a far more and great reward. So as we, <clears throat> excuse me, as we, as we think about those things, let's have the attitude that Paul had. Philippians 3 said, Yet indeed I also count all things loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. That's motivating. That's motivating. That you can you can sink your teeth into that. You can get a footing on that and run the race. <clears throat> he says that he endured the cross, despising the shame, and is sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So so think with me for a moment. Let me go back. Can we turn back to Philippians two? He says, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Uh, who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but he made himself of no reputation and took on himself the, the form of man and found in the fashion of a man became a servant and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. But that's not the end of the story. God also has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every tongue should confess. Uh, how is it? That things in heaven, things in earth, things under the earth should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Because when we run like Christ, and we take that servant's attitude under the authority and to the obedience of God, there's coming a day, my brother, there's coming a day, my sister, that we will be exalted. Did you know that? Amen. I'll try that one more time. Did you know that? Amen. That's right. I want to challenge you this afternoon. Go home. Read 1 Corinthians 15. Read 1 Corinthians 15. That is, as they say, a humdinger. It tells us, starts out with the gospel, how Christ died for our sins, was raised again. And then it talks about our new body. And he says this, Paul says this there. I'm not going to give you that discourse. But he says, if we have borne the image of the earthly, we will bear the image of the heavenly. Amen. And there at the end of that chapter... He gives great words of encouragement to persevere 
And I'm not going to spoil it for you. I want you to read. <clears throat> he says, for cons- in verse 3, and this is, I'm, I'm finishing. For consider him who endured such hostilities from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your soul. What, what in the world? You mean we're supposed to consider the fact that Jesus died and that's supposed to encourage us? Well, let's look at it this way. He endured to the obedience of his father and his reward was great exaltation. Write it down. Write it down. You persevere for the prize. And in that day when you finish your race, that prize is going to be great. It's going to be greater than you can imagine. And the more endurance you run with, the more reward is there. And if I had time, I would pursue that. So, so let me just sum this up real quick. Can I do that? Sorry, I don't know why I print so many notes and never look at them. Summing this up, all believers are going to suffer and need endurance. Whether it's the loss of a loved one, whether it's a disease, whether it's a breaking of a relationship, we all need endurance because all that gives us struggle. Suffering in the life of believers is for our good and God's glory. Read Romans 8, 28 and 29. If we do not keep our eyes on Christ, we will become discouraged. That's how we have to run our race, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Our endurance is but for a short time. Because we know that Paul said that these, talks about these light afflictions. Um, can I read you a passage out of Romans chapter 8? Paul says this, The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with Him, that we may be glorified together. See, there's that endurance and glory. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Our endurance will be followed by joy. Our endurance will be followed by maturity. We're grown by our struggles. Our endurance will be followed by a glorious reward, and our endurance will make the peace of heaven sweet. So how do we do that? How do we do that in this life? Well, thank you for asking. Why don't you turn with me to Psalm 37. So in challenges, you're turning there. Just to give you some practical things. In the upcoming days, I want to challenge you to step up. Okay? I want to encourage you to pull together. And I want you to persevere by solving today's problems today and trusting the outcome to the Lord. 
But here's what David wrote in Psalm 37. Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like grass and wither as the green herb. And here's what he said. Watch, watch this progression. He says, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on His faithfulness. That's trust in the Lord. Second thing, delight yourself also in the Lord. The result is, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Third, commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in Him. And He will bring it to pass. He'll bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Do not be fret because of Him who prospers in His way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Cease from anger and do not and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only causes harm. For evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait on the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. I'll let you finish that this afternoon. So for just a moment, for just a moment, I want to ask you to do something for me, okay? If you would bow your head and close your eyes, I just want you to think for a moment about the Scripture about what we've read today, about the challenge set before you, and that God has called you personally and Haven Baptist Church to persevere. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for your love and grace and mercy. Thank you for reminding us of the saints of old that how faithful they were even unto death. Lord, we have not striven. We have not labored to the point of shedding blood. Yet, Lord, we still struggle. Lord, we ask that you would help us to persevere. Help us to be faithful that in that day we would hear those joyous words. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Lord, I pray your blessings on Haven Baptist Church. That you would, uh, that you would bless her beyond measure. That you would grow this dear fellowship. Strengthen and encourage all here in Jesus' name.